0: sleeping dogs now on digital that's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery
1: hello internet and welcome back to the gadget podcast I'm Senior Editor Davindra Hardwar.
0: And I'm Editor-in-Chief Dana Wallman.
1: Oh my God, the holidays are here. That means we have to figure out gifts. Luckily, we've been putting a ton of work into our holiday gift guide over in Gadget. So Dana is going to chat a bit about that. But first, we also have to address the giant MacBook in the room, the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Dana has also gotten hands-on time with that. As always, if you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast client of choice and drop us a review on iTunes. So Dana, we've been hearing a lot about a bigger MacBook Pro that would be coming uh, throughout the year. Um, it is interesting that Apple didn't announce this thing at the iPhone launch. They kind of did that with the AirPods Pro as well. They kind of just dropped it on us. Any any thoughts about like what they're doing here?
0: Well, I think for one thing, this has been a very busy calendar year for Apple, especially with the launch of Apple TV+. Plus. So I think that Apple has had less room in each of its keynotes to dedicate to what feel like fairly iterative hardware announcements. So Apple, you've seen Apple do more of this uh, not only very recently, but even maybe the last product cycle also, just saving sort of the more iterative stuff for just regular old press releases. And in this case, it is kind of an iterative update. Yeah, it is the first 16-inch laptop they've had. And yeah, they've made these big changes to the keyboard, but they're doing the keyboard changes sort of sheepishly, (laughs) right? And otherwise, it is in many ways the same MacBook Pro. So it it makes sense they didn't necessarily unveil it at one of their splashy keynotes, especially when they had more earth-shattering, not earth-shattering, but (laughs) um, for them, more needle-moving news to
1: share. And this is something we've actually talked about, too. Like I feel like Apple has pushed this whole idea of having a big, massive launch event and getting an audience and like making it feel like a big thing. It does seem like for a lot of tech products, we don't we don't really need that. Like show preview it a little, send out an announcement. Uh, we we don't need to make everything a huge cultural event, especially when they're iterative like this.
0: Absolutely, and I would walk this back even a couple of years further. Let's go back in time to I forget what year it was, but do you remember the year when a lot of observers, including you and I, were saying, "Wait a minute, Apple forgot about its pro market. Microsoft <laughs> is on top of yes. it. Microsoft yeah. is making these products for pros." Whereas Apple's products have not been updated, they're outdated, and I think Apple heard that. I think they took it to heart. I think they've spent the past couple of years on this basically apology tour, right? Mm-hmm. So they had the um, they have the Mac Pro coming out. There's a lot of specialty press around that, and now we have the 16-inch MacBook Pro, and I think. It does make sense in a way not to fold these devices so much into consumer-oriented events, but really go on this separate apology tour for uh-huh. professionals and really hammer home the point that these were built for creative professionals and developers and animators and who knows who else. But there, it does make sense there's this whole separate narrative for those customers as opposed to regular old consumers buying AirPods. For you know. sure.
1: And it also seems like it is funny that Apple can't even – uh, help but step on its own toes like uh, Phil Schiller's comments during this whole press tour he said something about Chromebooks which feels so classist so classist so like out of, out of touch with the way the world works he basically said like kids who are using Chromebooks in schools can't succeed because they're not like you know cutting-edge world-class hardware and that is I'm not the biggest Chromebook fan especially for premium Chromebooks but in schools they're the perfect PCs so so basically, it seems like Apple has a lot of learning left to do, um, continually proving how out of touch they are. I, I do find that kind of amazing. Dana, it it looks like a MacBook Pro. What's the what's the big deal about this?
0: So it's sort of funny. We're gonna be talking about it and calling it the 16-inch MacBook Pro as if the larger screen size were the distinguishing feature and the thing that makes it so special. I actually think the screen is the least interesting thing about it. Sure. I guess sort of cutting straight to the punchline. It's 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 all about the keyboard, isn't it? <laughs> right?
1: The thing that Apple doesn't want to talk about, the thing Apple like yeah, refuses to acknowledge was a problem for years? Sure. Yeah, I hear that.
0: Yeah, so I can't quote Apple on the record <laughs> on this stuff, but just in like on background conversations with members of their team and the company um, and you may have seen this too, but the official line, even in public, seems to be: Well, most people like the butterfly <laughs> keyboard. Most of our customers don't have problems with the keyboard, mm-hmm. but even they now are forced to say, "But some of them do have problems with the keyboard." Um, so this is them getting back to work. Um, they said they they stuck their research department on, and this is sort of funny too because they're like, "We discovered we already had the best in class <laughs> keyboard. That keyboard." was the Magic Keyboard that comes with the iMac.
1: Oh, man. I can, I can just imagine their, like, uh, c- c- cutting-edge research team scouring the globe looking for the best keyboards around, and they get tired. They get back home after a year of travel, and it's like, they look in the closet. And it's like, oh, yeah, we make desktops.
0: Nailed it.
1: Wow. Amazing. Um, but, yeah, in, in addition to that keyboard, which I, I hate the butterfly keyboard. Uh, I, I have been very vocal about that. Uh, you've reviewed most of the MacBook Pros recently, Dana. How, how did you feel about that whole thing?
0: About the butterfly keyboard. Yeah,
1: the old, flat, like, glassy keyboard.
0: I I don't even think I learned to love it. I think I learned to tolerate it. And <laughs> yeah. there are days when I don't tolerate it. Because here at Engadget, those of us who use Macs, our work-issued laptops are the MacBook Pro. We're forced
1: to use Macs. This is torture. Like, it's even, torture to type on. Yeah. They're not
0: even the MacBook Pros that have the more recently tweaked butterfly keyboards. Um, <laughs> These are the, or the sort of the slightly earlier ones. And I find them very frustrating. And so... I spent some time with this new keyboard. I guess just take a step back. It is a so-called scissor mechanism, not a butterfly key mechanism. So like but, the one
1: every every other laptop has right now. The way Yeah, it works, but yeah.
0: it's um, – so they have these rubber domes inside, and they lock into the top of the keycap at the top of the stroke. And all that is to say that um, although these feel dense and cushy – it's a full mi- millimeter of travel, so they feel more pillowy and cushy than mm-hmm. the butterfly keyboard. They do still feel stable, especially compared mm-hmm. to if you go all the way back to an earlier – 15-inch MacBook Pro keyboard, and I actually did have the chance to test them side by side. So the
1: ones before Butterfly, right? Yeah, and
0: those, in comparison, feel really wobbly. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. And you had a chance to try the new MacBook Pro keyboard, too, and you're going to be reviewing it. Um, You agreed it was a pretty good keyboard.
1: It feels, well, I I just got to hit a couple keys. It feels much better. It feels light years better. Uh, I was comparing it to the XPS 13 two-in-ones keyboard, which is also really flat, but it's 1.3 millimeters of travel, so a little more. But You know, I I can live with this. I can live with it's a decent amount of feedback for Apple. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what other changes uh, does this MacBook entail?
0: Well, so I guess sticking with the keyboard, they brought back the physical escape key.
1: That was I think that was the was that the title of your last review? I remember that was a main sticking point for you when they moved over to the touch bar.
0: I really hated the touch bar, <laughs> and I don't think I was alone in thinking it's gimmicky. And I do wonder if one day they will just abandon that experiment altogether. I think
1: right. I, I remember Dana made a T-shirt, something about "I hate the touch bar, bring back the escape key." Um, yeah, it was it was a one woman protest, but it was it was very loud. <laughs> that I is remember. a very catchy
0: T-shirt slogan, <laughs> isn't it?
1: Down with the touch bar, bring back escape. Yeah,
0: yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's back. Um, otherwise, it's just. Um, a little bit bigger, slightly heavier, and um, ever so slightly thicker. And people mm-hmm. are talking about that, too, that it's not like Apple to produce a next-generation product that is actually a little bit heavier and thicker. In this case, though, it is to accommodate the bigger screen, but also this big battery. One thing I learned through this um, process so far, at least in, in researching or reporting the story so far, is – there's a 100-watt battery inside, and I didn't uh-huh. realize that that was the maximum allowed size allowed on planes by the oh, FAA. Wow.
1: What sort of battery life can we expect from this then?
0: Just about an hour more. So Apple is saying 11 hours, and the claim was 10 hours on the previous 15-inch MacBook Pro. And we haven't said this out loud yet, but just to be totally clear, the 16-inch MacBook Pro outright replaces the 15-inch. That's interesting. Huh. I you know people – the 16-inch model was rumored and I think we were expecting it, I don't know if it was totally clear that it would outright replace the 15-inch model. I think many of us thought it would slot in as some sort of especially high-end option. Well, there
1: was a 17-inch for a very long time, and they kind of gave up on that entirely. So it is interesting. They're kind of... Going right between 15 and 17. But the bezel, the screen bezels are thinner too. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, we're seeing all these laptop makers. And
0: Apple's acting like it invented that oh, concept God. of like, maximizing. Yeah. They will never
1: mention Dell. They'll never mention Infinity Edge, which forced every other t- PC company to kind of do this. Um How's the price, Dana? How's the price looking? how How are the ports looking? Like, is it an improvement over the complaints we've had over the last few MacBook Pros?
0: It's a MacBook Pro, <laughs> for better and worse. So, um, if you, however, you felt about the previous MacBook Pro, um, the keyboard notwithstanding, um, you will probably feel the same about this MacBook Pro. So. The ports are the same. You're looking at four Thunderbolt 3 ports, which take the form of USB-C ports. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've got a regular headphone jack, of course. Um, There's still no SD card reader, which is really befuddling to me. Um, I'm not even the most creative of professional users. um, But even I really need an SD card, let's say, when we're at CES and processing lots of hands-on photos. So I can't imagine what it's like to spend all this money on a machine like this if you're a videographer or photographer and not just have that basic... Sure. Thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I figure most professionals have like their favorite uh, little dongles and faster, faster performing uh, card readers. But this is a pretty standard thing. The XPS fifteen has it. Like most other professional laptops have it. Uh, how about the GPU? Did they upgrade that?
0: Yeah. So we're looking at. You've got some choices. So the base is a four gigabyte AMD Radeon Pro fifty three hundred M. The step up model has a four gigabyte AMD Radeon Pro fifty five hundred M, and then there is a step up. You could uh, do an upsell, basically, to mm-hmm. an 8-gigabyte version of that same um, that same GPU.
1: Okay. That's something. That's not like – I don't feel like that's as super impressive as we've seen on other productivity laptops like this. But it's certainly enough for video editing, photo editing.
0: Yeah. So, for now, we've had the machines since, I don't know – mid-morning on Tuesday, which is definitely, even as of this recording, not enough time to do the machine justice and put out a really credible, comprehensive review. So we've got our hands-on story and video up on the site. You should check it out if you haven't already. But right now in the background, we're working on just a fuller review, one that really gets into the kind of performance testing that we just have not had the time to do until now.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with this thing.
0: Me too. Monday, we got something really big off our chest here at Engadget. That would be our 150-item gift guide, our holiday gift guide. Um, We had been working on that, right, since about September. So we're kind of in a funny position now where we, at least we feel like, we have wrapped up our holiday shopping (laughs) just even before most people have gotten started on it. Um, But that's the point, right, to sort of – have all this ready before people are even really uh, quite ready to jump on it and pull the trigger.
1: Oh, for sure. And I, I think it's, uh, so the holiday gift guide, it's one of those things that I really enjoy doing because people always ask me for gift ideas and like, you know, what do I get this one person? And we break it down for different sections and for different types of people. And I find that really fun. Can you, can you give us any insight into the process, Dana? Like, how do we go about choosing these specific things and how do we narrow things down
0: so this is a mostly all hands on deck effort at Engadget and I would say the same thing about our back to school guide which runs over the summer so we rope in a lot of our writers and reporters and these people remember have beats and they have coverage areas the whole year round so that makes it really great for a holiday gift guide to say hey Devendra like um in the world of PC gaming, what would you buy a PC gamer? Um, mm-hmm. Is there any VR stuff that is actually worth giving as a gift? Or what about pop culture? What DVD? Not, not DVDs, God forbid. <laughs> but what uh, movies? If you were going to give someone a movie, um, what might we give them? And so it is really nice. And you're just one example. But it's really nice to be able to tap this resource that is our staff um, that covers this stuff over the course of the whole year. And it is really fun. And this is a little cheesy. But it's fun to think of this from the perspective of a gift giver. Um, mm-hmm. The back-to-school guide is really a lot of gifts to self. And actually, soon after that guide wraps, we get into holiday mode, and that's like the very beginning of the fall. And that's a, a shift in mindset, but I think a really pleasant one where we go from thinking about gifts to self to gifts for other people and um I don't know about you but I just I really like that as a mental exercise every oh, year it's sure. a lot of work but we have fun with it.
1: You know in another life I feel like I could have been like an advice columnist or something like that. At least when it comes to tech help that's kind of what I enjoy doing the most. So I also really like our asking gadget sections for that. But I hear you Dana like it, it's it's flexing a different muscle that we don't typically do when we're heads down and reporting and testing. It's just it's just like things that are actually useful to you. I think it's pretty cool. And let me just say You can find our Holiday Gift Guide uh, by going to our Buyer's Guide section at the top of the site and clicking the big Holiday Gift Guide banner there, and you'll find stories for that throughout the next couple months.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And I would say, too, that um, it might look like we just go through the list of categories and gadget covers and pick the best, but it really is um, a little more well thought out than that Uh um, because there are certain categories that we have decided in advance don't make appropriate gifts, right? So, like... You're not going to see us including so many TVs or any TVs in this year's holiday gift guide. Um, we just Although they are
1: getting cheap, you can conceivably gift a TV if it's under but $500. But let's be real, bucks. it's yeah. probably yeah. a
0: gift at best to your family and yourself or like just yourself, right? So we've decided in advance, we've had conversations about what gadgets make the best gifts. And then in there, we did want to throw in an element of surprise, um, include some things that people didn't know they wanted or didn't know they needed or hadn't heard of or it didn't occur to them that would make a good gift. Um, yeah. So that's always a challenge too, is just how can we take our standard coverage and just add a dash of surprise?
1: <laughs> that's honestly my first thing as we approach the holidays too, just like the weird wild stuff uh, that's out there. Um, what are, what are the weirdest things that you've seen so far that we've recommended?
0: So I am a big fan of our toy section, um, which is a fairly more or less recent addition to the Engadget gift guide. This is in our first year doing a toy section, but it certainly hasn't been part of the holiday gift guide this whole time. And, I have to give Chris Nottis, um, our Buyer's Guide editor, shouts for this because she covers toys all year round. And she starts scouting toys actually as early as Toy Fair, which happens usually in February. And so she's got a lot of weird, funky picks in this year's um, section. My favorite is this thing called Owlies. <laughs> and um, you've seen this, right? I've seen Owlies, yeah. All right. So for the people listening, um, imagine a Furby, um, but somehow even creepier. Um, so it's this gremlin Furby thing. And that's just the way it looks from the outside. And then, boom, its its head splits open and <laughs> out f- comes this flying helicopter drone thing.
1: I love toys that can traumatize young children. Yes. So this sounds great.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So surprise, that's in our holiday gift guide. Uh, as weird and creepy as we think this thing is, we also find it kind of fun and charming and we think kids will be engaged by it. Um, so that made the list, in addition to all sort of the standard fare like smartphones and battery packs, because people – you will always have someone in your life who can use a battery pack. Um,
1: Those are the best, like, re- yeah, everyday gifts for everybody.
0: I got my dad a battery pack <laughs> last year. I don't know if he uses it, but he really wanted one at the time. Um, but, yeah, so we've got a mix of standard fare and then, like, creepy gremlins that whose heads burst open with drones inside. It's great.
1: Any other strange toys, Dana?
0: Yeah, so we've been getting a lot of attention for Mattel's Pictionary Air, and it is kind of what it sounds like. It's using um, just hand um, and motion gestures to play the game, classic game of Pictionary, and that seems to have resonated a lot with our readers. And we're glad because we saw it earlier this year. We thought it was pretty cool, too. Um, And there, too, goes back to this idea that, like, if we're going to include toys, it's not enough for it to be, like, a Hess truck that just happens to be battery-operated. Sure, yeah. Like, it has to be engaging and also has to be fun enough that you'd want to use it for more than just five minutes before the novelty wears off.
1: I also saw something about a – what was it? A sports bra wallet clip.
0: We first found this for a separate guide that we ran over the summer having to do with um, just outdoorsy um, and summer tech. And we liked it so much we decided to include it. Um, here in the Holiday Gift Guide as well. And it's this thing called a koala clip. And basically it um, clips a phone to a woman's sports bra on her back um, while she's working out. So obviously um, this will not be appropriate for a good half, at least, (laughs) of our readers or their recipients.
1: It's okay. I feel like there are enough gadgets oriented at that other half, so this sounds super good.
0: Yeah, but for the people out there who are either – just women themselves or shopping for women. Um, just we thought it was a u- really unique but also useful gadget. And again, um, we like it precisely because we don't think people would have expected to find it on an gadget um, shortlist. Yeah, it's
1: gadget adjacent, literally. Um, how about like a gifting digital codes and things like that and subscriptions? It, that's a very easy gift, but maybe a little impersonal sometimes.
0: Yeah, so we tackle this two ways. So we actually do have a whole gift guide, uh, a whole um, gift card and subscription section of our gift guide. And for that, you know, we did try to avoid the obvious ones. Like there's not Netflix on there and no Spotify, and it's not because, and no Apple Music, and it's not because we don't recommend them, just because we assume everyone, especially gadget readers, uh, have heard of them already. So we have a whole section of our guide for that. We do think that these can make great gifts, especially last minute gifts. Um, but then we have this guide coming out. Um, Today, actually, the day that you guys are hearing this, Friday. And it's from Jess Condit, who's our lead gaming reporter. And she did this fantastic story. No one's ever pitched a story like this to me before, (laughs) where um, she came up with all of these craft ideas for how to, that you could make for someone and give them in addition to whatever the digital code is to sort of personalize what's otherwise kind of a dry, sterile gift. So she made, and remind you, she's a, a journalist by trade. But a, clearly a multi-talented one. Yeah, she, she's a good
1: tinkerer. She likes to, like, do crafts things. She yeah.
0: took the time. She did the crafts. And she took excellent, amazing, adorable photos of <laughs> all this stuff she made. And sometimes I'm reminded we all have very strange jobs here at Engadget, Jess oh, yeah. included. Um, it's a great story. I hope people check it out. And I've never seen anything like it on other sites, and especially not our site in the 15 years we've been around. So I'm glad that we have this
1: story. Ow! I rounded up some really cool gift ideas for the Nintendo Switch and Switch Lite. Uh, just want to list a couple here. Uh, I feel like every Switch owner, if you have the big Switch, that directional pad is terrible. It is not good. It is four separate buttons, four separate tiny buttons uh, that really does not capture the feel of the classic Nintendo D-pad, which I grew up with. I feel like I have, I have an imprint on my thumb from the NES uh, D-pad still. So I would recommend for anybody with a big Switch, get the HORI Left Joy-Con replacement, uh, which is only 19 bucks on Amazon. comes in a couple of different like colors and uh, designs, but it has a real D-pad. It just kind of plugs into the Switch lets you enjoy real D-pad functionality. Uh, once I threw this on my Switch earlier this year, it, it was life-changing to me. So, Dana, I don't know. Dana's just staring at me blankly because uh, I, I don't know what Dana's experience is with video games. I'm just going to keep going here. Uh, the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I um, have a
0: Switch set up in my apartment. You
1: have a Switch now. Yeah, you have a Switch thanks to RingFit, um, which is also Ring Fit. I just picked that up myself for me and my wife to like survive New York winter. That thing rules. It is also a great gift option.
0: It's strange because it feels like a kid's game, but you so you have to do physical workouts and exercises to make your way through this game. And it's like it feels like a kids game, but yeah. the workouts themselves are strenuous enough oh, for some serious. adults.
1: It's serious, because it's a game you're running in place most of the time, but you have a Pilates ring and like it is it can be strenuous if you want it to be. Uh, as for other Switch things, uh, I like fixing the problems with the console. So the Switch does not support wireless headsets. So HomeSpot's Bluetooth adapter. It's 40 bucks. You plug it into the bottom of the Switch or onto the dock, and it lets you pair up to two Bluetooth headphones, which I think is fantastic. It is It is also one of the best things in the world to me. And so cases. Everybody needs a case for their Switch. TomTalk makes slim cases for 20 bucks each. Super useful.
0: Yeah, and the beauty of these is like, a, they're affordable for the gift giver, but also I think show a little bit more thought than just like an originality than just like boom here is a console. <laughs> not that it's not appreciated, but I yeah. think these show a little more originality.
1: Yeah, maybe. people get consoles, or like you know, their somebody's parents may get a kid the console, but you can like add on nice little bits on top of that.
0: Thanks, Uncle Dev. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I'm
1: looking forward to that. I always love giving out gifts to to my young family and now i have a daughter who is accepting all she she wants all my tech so i feel like this is going to be a problem Uh we're trying to play with tech toys and she just reaches over and grabs my xps 13 2 in 1 or the iphone pro 11 so it is (laughs)
0: she's got expensive yeah
1: yeah she's like "I, i want this shiny thing we do have some streaming options as well especially in the midst of the tv streaming wars that we talked about uh amazon's fire tv 4k stick we're recommending it's 50 bucks I like these stick devices because you could just plug them into any TV. You could take it around your house, but it's really good for travel because if you go to a hotel, all you have to do is plug it in, get online, and you have access to all of your streaming services.
0: And I think Roku Express made yeah. the list, right?
1: The Roku Express. This thing is $30. I find this to be, this is a great gift to get, to like, uh, get for people with older TVs or people who may not need 4K because it's super cheap. It's very small, but you get the full access to the Roku experience. It's $30. That's insane.
0: Yeah, it's like old Chromecast territory, except probably a better product.
1: Definitely. Um, and also, the Apple TV 4K is still there on our list. It is it is the best 4K entry into Apple's ecosystem, so it still makes a very good gift. And honestly, with Apple Arcade now, too, you can play a lot more games on your TV. So I think that's all pretty useful.
0: I'll say honestly, like when it comes to media streaming sticks and boxes, it, it's kind of like... Um, smart speakers and smart displays like we could only pick so many of each for this holiday gift guide Mm -hmm. and i think we just had a lot of good options so if you see us recommending a streamer or a smart display or a smart speaker it doesn't mean we think the others are crap or not worth recommending it's just like we had to stop yeah somewhere we had to curate the list
1: somehow and certainly when it comes to streamers when it comes to a lot of smart devices they're also similar now um It, it is tough to just list every single one. And speaking of similar devices, we also recommended the Echo Show 5. This thing is $90. Uh, it is, you know, it's an Echo with a screen, but it's a small screen. But at that price, I actually think it's pretty useful. Uh, have you gotten to play with it, Dana? Like, what do you think of this thing?
0: I have not seen it in person.
1: <laughs> it, seems but I've read very, the review. it seems very nice. We reviewed it really well. I got one of the 8-inch Lenovo Smart Displays last Christmas, and it is not a great speaker, but... It's just a really cool thing to have my kitchen, just to say, hey, Google, play YouTube, play Strictly Dumpling or something. Um, I, I love the whole home and kitchen thing because I feel like that really reflects all the things I want in my house, like the Fellow Stag EKG electric kettle, which is the prettiest kettle I've ever seen. It is, it is this gorgeous steampunk thing. It looks like kind of chromey. It has a wooden handle. It's $130, but it's a really easy way to like heat up water for tea, for coffee, for everything, uh, I, I kind of just want to touch this thing. It seems like a, a like a work of art.
0: So this is for people who like pretty things and mm-hmm. don't want to use fire like a caveman.
1: Don't use fire. Also, electric kettles. Electric kettles, in general, make very good gifts. So check those out. If you know anybody who drinks a lot of tea, uh, don't put them on the stove like somebody I know did. Um, <laughs> make sure, you know, they're, they're very useful. Mm-hmm.
0: Kettles and D-pads. You heard it first from D pads.
1: Also, the Instant Pot Duo Evo Plus. It feels like Instant Pot is going with the, uh, I don't know, like the Asus line of product naming at this point. It's $130. It's a redesigned Instant Pot um, that just works a little better than the ones we've seen over the last few years. But I have a, I have the Instant Pot Pro, I believe, from several years ago. It is a tremendous uh, Christmas gift. It's a great thing to have in the winter for stews, for slow cooking. It does everything. The Instant Pot is amazing. And
0: And you'd be crazy to buy it at full price, by the way, because they're constantly on sale, especially during events like Black Friday and Cyber Mm -hmm. Monday. So just whatever you do, don't pay the list price for this thing. That, by
1: the way, good shout out there, Dana. Um, If you're buying gifts, maybe just just wait a couple of weeks because we're going to have a nice amount of Black Friday deals. You'll be finding all these things that we recommend for a little bit less than right now. There's also the Packed Coffee Kit, which is something Billy recommended in his uh, insanely nerdy coffee guide. And this thing, I, I love pour over coffee. This thing is really cool because it's a little four pound jar. It holds your grounds, it'll hold water, but it will heat up. It'll heat it up for you. And you just kind of put it in and like pour your coffee over as you would at home. This seems like a great portable option for anybody who is really a stickler about their coffee consumption.
0: My favorite part of the story is Billy <laughs> confirming that yes, it is TSA friendly, but yes. the agents might give you really weird looks, but yeah. like it is technically travel friendly. And I like that Billy both like, Found that out and confirmed it. And um, <laughs> even if it meant doing it the hard way.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. That seems good. And also, uh, speaking of Billy, Billy uh, really helped out with our audio gifts here. We've recommended the no- Sony's noise-canceling earbuds, which I've talked about before, the WF1000XM3s. Thank you, Sony. They're $230, but they sound incredible. They have great noise-canceling. Um, Nate recommended the Sonos Move, which is Sonos's first portable speaker. So I, I kind of love this thing. It's 399 but you can use it at home as a standard Sonos speaker. But you could take it anywhere. It has a battery. My dad needs yeah. this thing. Because oh, yeah. this
0: summer, he took his regular Sonos One speaker <laughs> on vacation to his vacation house, and then I got all the tech support calls that were like, Aww. how do I set this thing up again? I was like, yeah. I don't know. You got yourself into this. You can't
1: move Sonos speakers. That's the downside of Sonos speakers. I can also just imagine your dad like driving to his— Vacation house with the Sonos and the passenger seat, like buckled in. It's like, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great vacation. Okay, oh, Google,
0: no. play Jackson Brown.
1: <laughs> so that's just a small sampling of things we've recommended so far. We're going to mention more on the Engadget podcast in over the coming weeks. So check back for that. Dana, I know how excited you are for classic pop culture. Have you checked out Disney Plus?
0: Yes, and all I want to do is watch Knobs and Broomsticks.
1: Oh, I love Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yeah. That's something we can agree on. Uh, Disney Plus has launched on Tuesday. It was kind of a rocky launch. There were a lot of uh, loading errors. or There were a lot of issues. But I think just one day later, on Wednesday, Disney announced they have reached 10 million subscribers, which is That's insane.
0: It's fantastic. Of course, uh, I think the smart question is how many of those are paying subscribers. Um, There are people like me, in full disclosure, I'm about to talk about our parent company, but Verizon, which owns Engadget, um, has a one-year-long free subscription. So that's how they got me. And I'm sure that's how they got a lot of other people. So I'd be curious to know how many of those 10 million people have actually paid anything yet.
1: Well, it is so that that's part of the things I was going to mention later. Actually, part of our corrections, we were talking about Verizon and carrier deals uh, last week. It does. Uh, Verizon did arrange a deal with Disney Plus where it's paying for those subscriptions, so Disney is still getting money for this because Verizon is paying for it and not the customers. But yeah, uh, people who have unlimited Verizon mobile service, uh, Verizon FiOS home, new customers, I believe, and a few others will get Disney Plus. Dana, how did you get it?
0: How did I get Disney yeah. Plus through yeah. my carrier, which is
1: so you have the unlimited access? I and everything. do. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I the, the service is really it's really good. Like it's it's a lot of great content. Uh, I wrote about Star Wars and The Mandalorian, which I think are the highlights of it right now in terms of new stuff. The Mandalorian is a great great show. Um, they re- also remastered Star Wars in. 4K Dolby Vision and Atmos. So, like as a home theater geek, I've never seen these movies look this good. Uh, but yeah, there's a ton of old content. There are newer movies coming in too. I think the thing we've learned just one day after the launch of Disney Plus is this thing is unstoppable. Every parent. Yeah, anybody with a kid will need this. And
0: mind you, it it comes at the same time as Apple TV+. And Apple has really had to sell people on all of its new originals, none of which has been terribly well-reviewed. And Disney's in a position where, yeah, The Mandalorian actually was met with really warm reviews. But most of its stuff is archival stuff that really hits people in the the nostalgia bone, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something to be said for the idea that Disney already has this ready-made, really huge catalog of stuff. And that people don't always want something new. Um, me, I'm not ashamed to say, um, I kind of just want to load up um, heavyweights. Um,
1: heavyweights is good.
0: It's underrated. Me and
1: Ben Stiller back in the day, right? It boats, yeah. It's
0: it's um, underrated for both Judd Apatow and mm-hmm. Ben Stiller. I would and say. And Ben
1: Stiller, I remember. Yeah. That's how I remember Ben Stiller as a kid. Like he, him being the villain of heavyweights. There's a lot of good old stuff here. I'm still waiting for gargoyles. Gargoyles, Disney, please, hel- hello, anybody. They that have was so not much part product. of their
0: massive three-hour promotional trailer?
1: No, no, it was not. So Disney+, Plus, it is here. It is honestly a little terrifying because it also is a great example of Disney consolidating their content hold and everything. So we're going to be following all this. Uh, keep an eye out for that. And another quick correction. Um, Sherilyn was very excited about the sequel to Haunting of Hill House a couple weeks ago, The Haunting of Bly Manor. She was sitting and waiting for it to drop during Halloween. That thing is not coming until next year. Sherlyn's a damn liar, but also nobody tells Sherlyn about this. Let's just let's keep her waiting in anticipation.
0: Sherlyn's a little extra, but, like, she's ours. <laughs> we claim her. She is ours.
1: Uh, I'm definitely going to tell Sherlyn you called her a little extra, but she would also agree. Yeah. What's coming up next in Gadget, Dana?
0: Um, so now that we've put the holiday gift guide to bed, you guys enjoy that. But in the background, we are basically setting our sights on CES, which happens – um, early January. Oh, no. Right after New Year's. Yeah. So we have some work to do. I mean, we're going to be um, doing some scouting in the background, um, thinking about what we think the big themes at the show are going to be, getting our organizational and logistical plans in place, um, <laughs> stocking up on vitamin C.
1: Dana is starting to glow like a Super Saiyan in Dragon Ball Z. Like, she, this is what Dana lives for. It's great. No. <laughs> 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 but yeah, CES is coming. Um, I I am terrified of it because it's always it's just a ton of news and work, but it's always an exciting time. We get to see what's going to be new and fresh for the next year. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm also going to be grabbing the 16-inch MacBook Pro from you and reviewing that for next week uh, before I'm off for a couple of weeks. Really looking forward to testing that and just seeing um, – re- Just honestly, I'm just really looking forward to pounding that keyboard and see if it's actually better like Apple claims. I think it is. All right, let's move on to our engagement picks. Just cool things in the world that we really enjoy. Dana, what's good for you?
0: So I just, um, I switched my pick at the last minute and I finally last night got around to watching um, the Netflix documentary, Knocking Down the House. That's the one that follows not only AOC, but another of um, a number of other um, candidates who are looking to um, unseat Incumbents back in the 2018 midterms. Have you seen that?
1: I have seen it. It is very good. It, it, it's like a little glimmer of hope, um, uh, you know, amid a really cruel world right now.
0: I just thought about how much footage was left on the cutting room floor because as they filmed this, I don't think they knew specifically that anyone win, would win or lose. But obviously, AOC was the winner in that crop. So that they could sort of take most of the footage and really focus the narrative on her. And she's the one who had the narrative in the end, the closest thing to, um, bits of conflict. obviously her incumbent um, rival didn't even show up to a debate uh, at one point. So she New had... York
1: politicians are just a new level of like, yeah, but yeah so yeah. she had
0: this narrative and I think she's the person <laughs> in retrospect people are most interested in watching. I thought the other treatment of the other characters was sort of um, interesting because I was glad to know their stories yeah. they were sort of because they lost their sort of footnotes in history and accordingly in the documentary, they're kind of just like, Vignettes. It's like, well, this person tried a thing, Mm -hmm. didn't work. Um, but so I think for obvious reasons, the AOC narrative is mm-hmm. the most interesting because she actually won yeah. against odds.
1: I, I like hearing about those other characters because they tried. Like this is a documentary about the grand American experiment. And the AOC footage is also fantastic. Like it opens with her just going down below the bar she worked at and lugging up ice and like doing doing the physical labor that I can't imagine a lot of politicians ever having to do in their lives.
0: We forget how recently that was. Her Yeah.
1: Life. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago. I want to briefly talk about Dr. Sleep, which is fantastic. This is Mike Flanagan's, um, who also directed The Haunting of Hill House and wrote that. This is his uh, adaptation of the Shining sequel, both a sequel to the book and to the movie, which is such a fascinating thing because they're very different uh, texts. And Stephen King uh, famously hated Stanley Kubrick's movie, even though it's one of the best horror movies ever made. Um, this movie is fantastic. I think it does a great job of building up the mythology of Doctor Sleep and um, the world of the shiny, the world where people have extrasensory powers and all sorts of different things. Uh, it's incredibly well made, uh, has some really fun characters. Rebecca Ferguson, uh, who people may remember from like the recent Mission Impossible movies, she is this evil uh conniving child soul stealing villain but she's also so charming while doing it too so it's like it's a very cool balance go watch dr sleep it is it is dying in the theaters but i think it's definitely worth it on the big screen all right gang that's it for our show today thank you for listening our theme music is by Dale North. He's a gaming composer. Check out his stuff over on Spotify. He did the score for Wizard of Legend and a whole bunch of great games that are coming out soon. So be sure to check all that out. Our other music is by managing editor Terrence O'Brien. And the podcast is produced by Ben Ellman. You can find me online at at Divindra on Twitter. And I do a movie podcast at SlashFilm.com. Dana, where can we find you on the internet?
0: I am basically Dana Waldman on all the things um, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Uh, my Facebook is locked, so don't even try to friend me there. Um, <laughs> come find me. Um, you'll find some tweets about tech on Instagram. You will mostly find photos of Mahome Cooking.
1: Mahome Cooking. My home Cooking. All right. Please send us any questions or feedback at podcastangadget.com. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and wherever you find podcasts and drop us a review if you can. See you guys next week when Sherlyn is going to be taking command of the show.